Hello and welcome to The Wound Doctors, a podcast series dedicated to the study and improved treatment of wounds. These episodes are brought to you by Convitec, pioneering trusted medical solutions to improve the lives they touch. Rod Murray's my name and alongside my co-host, Dr. Fran Henshaw, we usually explore the world of medicine and wounds and related issues. And while there'll be plenty of that today, this episode feels like it might have more of an element of adventure. Dr. Fran, always good to have your company. Who are we speaking with today? Well, Rod, today we've got an extra special guest. Her name is Jane Pappin. Good morning, Jane. Good morning. And Jane is not only a registered nurse, but she's the managing director of a business called Pop-Up Health. Mm-hmm. So I met the people from Pop-Up Health a couple of weeks ago when I was in Adelaide and I was really fascinated with the story of this business that started very small and ended up quite big. So Jane uh, Pappin has actually started Pop-Up Health. Jane, tell us, how did this business start and what does it do? Uh, So I'm a registered nurse and I was working in the public health system in Adelaide and across uh, the country and I realised that there were lots of service delivery gaps for patients particularly but also for nurses wanting reward for effort and so I spent uh, four or five years at home working on the kitchen table and uh, just developing policies, procedures and then we got our first patient and uh, I went in and showered him for the first Uh, two or three days and then I thought gee I really need a nurse to help me with this and so I recruited an enrolled nurse and then about a week later we got a second patient and a third patient and a fourth patient and in 2017 we had about 10 nurses and a couple of cars And then moving uh, into June 2018, we hired another 50 nurses and bought another 10 cars and we then graduated to 80 cars and 500 staff as to where we are now. So that's where we all started from and it's just uh, grown from there. Wow, that's that's not pop-up, that's explosive. (laughs) Someone who's running a small business, that actually could be quite difficult to manage. We might come back to that, Jane. I'm going to ask the silly question today because that's my job. What's pop-up? Pop-up health, what do we mean by that? I haven't got a clear picture in my mind. So pop-up health uh, covers lots of different areas, but we, we're actually going in and providing care to heal a wound for a period of 10 days or uh, two months. So we just go into people's houses. We see about uh, three or 400 people every day in their own home. And we also provide other services for nurse, that nurses can partake in to give them a variety in the scope of the work that they do. So we have nurses that work in police stations looking after the health and well-being of detainees. Um, we provide a lot of wound care to NDIS participants. We do a lot of aged care. So we've got home care packages and, and CHISP clients. And uh, we're really becoming the centre of excellence for wound care in South Australia. Oh, I went to pop up and honestly, the the infrastructure they have is absolutely amazing. It's like a whole area where everything's packed. So every person who's being seen by a nurse has got exactly the right um, consumables that they might need. And then there's another bag full of stuff in case something else has happened that might be needed on an ad hoc basis. And the way that this all runs out of this 
amazing facility is just incredible. And I think, you know, there's a whole variety of hospital in the home um, types of of things. So, so yeah, I mean, there's different levels of care. And some people might have, you know, a simple wound dressing that they can't do themselves. And other people might have a more complex need. Is, Is that right, Jane? Yes, the variety of wounds is enormous. It can go from any part of the body and for the severity as well. And so the wound care that's provided, we've got a wound care specialist on staff and she provides us with uh, some input for all the care plans and just the constant patient reviews is really helpful in making sure that we have uh, good healing times, uh, but also providing the right products and the right holistic care for the patient for the wound heal. And I think we were talking not long ago, Rod, we had a a guest on, we were talking about hospital avoidance. And I think this is a really important facet of hospital avoidance, isn't it? Because if somebody just um, has a simple wound, stuffing them into a hospital bed that's going to cost, you know, hundreds and hundreds of dollars a day is is not making any sense for them. And people tend to be happier. And when they're happier, they heal better if they're in their own home. It's not necessarily a great use of resources either, is it? Jane, we often talk on this uh, podcast about how wounds aren't considered sort of a front line or a sexy sort of a topic or issue. I'm interested that you're specialising in wounds. That feels like a recognition that, in fact, as Elsie told us who you're talking about, wounds can become a multi-organ problem down the track. It's really interesting that you focus on wounds. Absolutely. And I think it's a, it is a holistic approach. So it's looking at their nutrition and their physical environment as well um, and and the, the mental health of the patient as well. So it's to do with their attitude. And I think when you bring it all together, you can get fantastic results yeah. and a lot uh, more economical results mm. as well in ter- for the patient and also for the health system that we're all working with that's under, under pressure. Yeah. Why wounds specifically, Jane? Uh, Because we've got a lot of nurses who have a great interest in wounds and I also see it as a major part of uh, what's clogging up the hospitals and the health system. And so these patients are uh, discharged home with very little support sometimes and they just need that extra little bit to get the wound healing so they can either get back to work or get back into their usual lifestyle. And is this government funded or do the people pay for it themselves? Is it some sort of a uh, joint venture? How is the the, the whole thing funded? So it is a combination of many different areas of funding. So the Commonwealth Fund, the aged care uh, wounds that that we have through their home care package or through CHISP. And the others, some of the, the NDIS is funded through that program. Uh, we do do some private work and we also work for 30 other organisations in Adelaide who maybe their nurses are off sick or they don't have a nurse on staff. And so we go out and provide wound care to their patients as well. And that's funded through however they fund their process. And I remember speaking to the the good eggs at uh, Pop Up Health and they were saying that actually you provide services on days that other um, similar organisations aren't able to, like bank holidays and things like that. So it really is, you know, very patient centred, isn't it? It, Because someone who's got a wound doesn't get a day off because (laughs) it's the Queen's birthday, do they? (laughs) Absolutely. And we are out there, we work seven days a week uh, and public holidays is uh, is probably our specialty. So yeah, we are out there all the time. And the nurses absolutely love it because they're learning something new every day and we're doing a lot of photography with it and uh, our wound care specialist has, gives them so much support it's fantastic and the healing rates are quite high um, and I think the satisfaction that the nurses have when they uh, have been working on a wound for maybe even just five or ten days to see that healing is fantastic and the person can get back to their normal lifestyle. 
Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, as a podiatrist looking at wounds, that's the thing that, you know, there's a lot of downside to things when things don't go as you want to. But when you actually see something starting to heal, you get to see it with your own eyes. It's not like something you've got to do a scan to have a, a look inside somebody. It's it's there right in front of you. So you can get this kind of very quick satisfaction. But the, one of the things that staggers me about pop-up is how quickly it scaled. I mean, what were the challenges from going from, you know, 50 to 500 nurses in a couple of years? I think we did this during COVID period as well, which was even as, more challenging. As you would, Jane. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you would. Absolutely. And uh, so one of the things for us is about the workplace culture that we have. So we spend a lot of time and effort uh, focusing on our staff uh, in terms of the facilities that we offer and uh, the employment contract and the way that we celebrate our successes. And our nurses uh, really appreciate the the interaction that we all have so I think that is a big part of what we did and we also have an amazing um, infrastructure within our organisation so we've bolstered our HR team during the last four years and they uh, work tirelessly on going through the processes and we haven't really had too much of an issue with recruitment for our workforce. Workforce planning is one of our key areas that we focus on every week and it's important to make sure that our staff are happy and I think they're our marketing tool really so if the staff are happy then they will portray that to the patient. Jane, I'm traumatised just by the thought of the paperwork involved oh, in so this venture that you've started. <laughs> My goodness, just keeping up with that must be a nightmare, Fran. Is is what Jane's out late here? Is this a blueprint in some ways for the future? There's a bunch of elements in this of various topics we've discussed. Now. There's technology with the photos. There's this notion of keeping people out of hospital, decentralised healthcare, holistic sort of planning. Has Jane started something here that could become the blueprint Absolutely. This is why I really wanted to highlight what's happening at Pop-Up Pop because they've got all these elements together. And as we know, the workforce is a huge issue in community health and things like that. A lot of people don't see it as a glamorous place that they want to work. And I think that by doing this properly, obviously they are getting the workforce. They've got 500 people to come and work for them. So they must be doing something right. And I think this is really important because nursing is a hard job. Oh, yeah. It's, you know, it's not something you, you go into for the money. You go into it because you have some kind of a, a calling to help people. But just because you've got a calling to help people, it doesn't mean that you want to, you know, be in a workplace environment where you're just kind of flogged to death. Taking so, advantage of it. Exactly. So I think that... What I saw at Pop-Up was a very happy workforce and these kind of incremental things that make people want to work there. They've got a lovely deck where they've got a place where they can have a barbecue. They've got a, a coffee shop with subsidised coffees. I mean, if you give somebody an extra, you know, $10 a week in their pay, that probably doesn't mean a lot to them. If you give them a couple of cups of coffee, it probably does. And I think that's what they're doing right. Particularly at just the right time. Jane, talk a little bit about that. That's really not... It's obviously related to nursing in this case, but that's about a people management thing. Are you a natural people manager? It feels like what you've hit on is a model that could work in many ways at a lot of other businesses as well, not just within nursing. 
I think uh, from when I was a child, and when I was a child, my mum and dad ran businesses, uh, but for a period of my life as a child, my dad became a lighthouse keeper, wanting to escape the world for a couple of years, and so we went to a little lighthouse lighthouse um, down on the York Peninsula, Truebridge Island, and uh, we spent three years there as a family, and I think that taught me about resilience, but also a little bit about leadership, and just watching my parents in business took me through to give me the underpinning of what we've developed here at Pop-Up. So it's, uh, I've, like I said before, I think looking after your staff makes a huge difference to how the business can run. And if you need that little bit extra, then uh, there's a lot of people in this organisation that will go that way. And I think surrounding yourself with people that can uh, have the skills that I don't have, and I'm not perfect by any means, but I think the people that I've surrounded myself will, with have certainly uh, have got those skills that I don't have. And, uh, yeah, I think that makes all the difference. Forget about words. I'm all in on the lighthouse. Tell me about growing up <laughs> I in know, a lighthouse. I was going to get the lighthouse <laughs> story in. <laughs> the lighthouse was amazing. It was just a big sandbar. And uh, I was uh, eight when we went out there and did School of the Air. And uh, I was a girl guide of the air. And my dad uh, would get up at five o'clock every morning and do a weather report um, from the top of the lighthouse. And then uh, I would be up at six doing School of the Air with dad and learning whatever we had to learn for that day. And uh, then we would, uh, yeah, he would go off and do his lighthouse things. And at one stage while we were out there, he had to paint the lighthouse. There was another couple out there and the two of them the two men had to scaffold up and down the lighthouse uh, for three months painting the outside of the lighthouse and that was amazing and my dad was scared of heights at the time but um, he (laughs) quickly got over that (laughs) luckily yeah so I think that sort of uh, yeah it just gave me we had to make our own fun and enjoyment and we used to get our food delivered once a week on a boat would come out every Friday at lunchtime and deliver all of our food and the newspapers for the week so uh, back in those days um, yeah we used to look forward to Fridays because we had fresh bread and uh, we also got a comic on that day (laughs) so that's uh, very old school but uh, we all look forward to Fridays and we finished school early on Friday um, so that we could uh, meet the boat and get our, have a stock of lollies and bread and things. Are, are we talking a stereotypical lighthouse tower with a light at the top that goes around and a spiral stair? Is that what we're... Wow. Correct. That's the stuff yep. of dreams for a kid. I, I think oh, no. it's fascinating. When people have had a different start oh. in life, I think they have a different perspective on life. And I, I remember when we were kids, it was like, you go to school every day, you'd never be allowed two days off school to go on holiday, you know, a bit early or something like that. And yet you see these kids that are like parents are missionaries and they've lived all over the world. Yeah. They've lived these really, really um, peripatetic lives. And yet they have a, a different outlook on life. And I think it does give people just a, a different perspective, doesn't it? Indeed. And in this case, uh, Jane, inevitably we find ourselves drawn back to the same topics as I said before, one of them being the issues with running a health system. And any system ends up breeding inefficiencies and all sorts of things into it. The system you've built there sounds like uh, has sidestepped or avoided a lot of that. How important is what Fran's talking about there? Your upbringing and the person that you ended up becoming in that system being a more effective one than what we see with a lot of government systems. I think uh, for me it's about being creative 
and uh, being solution-based. So just as an example, back to the lighthouse, I can remember when I was about 10, um, I decided I was going to run away from home. We were on the lighthouse. It was an island. Clearly, I was only 10. (laughs) But I decided that I would run away from home, and I wasn't being creative because Dad just went straight up to the top of the lighthouse and had a look and found me. And uh, I wasn't even hiding under a bush. I think I was sitting on the beach somewhere. But that sort of thing... um, has built within me the ability to come up with solutions because I can remember when he did come and find me and he said, you're going to have to be smarter than that if you're going to make a go of it in the world. And I think that's stuck with me ever since. And so for me, I um, that creativity of being able to look at something and just go away and have some quiet time or talk to the right people within our organisation and our teams to come up with solutions that will actually work and uh, and be quite cost effective. Um, I think that's a key for us. So we're very good at being responsive and being innovative and to arrive at the right solution for whoever our client is. Adapting. We did a whole episode on cultural change, didn't we, mm-hmm. Fran, and how difficult yeah. it is to get people to change. You've worked in the medical system. Why can't people like Jane run it? The system works against having people like Jane run it, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it often does feel like that, that people who work at the coalface can actually see where the inefficiencies are because they're actually got their boots on the ground. And, you know, I I work at Convertech and I think one of the reasons that I'm able to connect quite well with our sales team and customers is because I go out and I see them. And, you know, I understand what type of education is needed for these people because I ask them and I see them. Whereas if I worked in a global role in um, Zurich or something, and I wasn't understanding what was happening in Australia, it would be very different, I think. And um, I think that that's what happens in these big hospital systems. You obviously do need high levels of governance, but then I think you can actually lose sight of what you're trying to achieve. And and I think that's often what happens. And I, I don't really know what the answer is, because obviously pop-up do seem to have managed to navigate this really, really well. Um, and I would imagine it's very complex as well because pop-up has many different streams of income. You know, it's not like a hospital that's given a bunch of no, government right. money. It's like there's NDIS money, there's CHUSP money, it's there's be invoiced, private it's money. It's got to be yeah. re- and so it, and all it's, a, it's a complicated beast. But um, obviously, I think having had personal experience of the job as well is, is very important. Yeah, go. I think that uh, the fact that um, as a business, we are across all of it. So we're uh, fully understanding of the funding aspects. We're understanding of what the patient needs. And ultimately, that's what we're here for is to make it a better patient experience. But I think because we have all aspects of uh, achieving that fight, that ultimate goal for the patient and for us to get that satisfaction. I think that's where we're lucky in a sense. We're not running uh, in a public health system. I think people are have focuses on one particular area and maybe not fully understanding. And I think because we most of us in this business are clinical people, um, even though we may not be working in that area at the moment, I think it gives us a greater understanding of what we're trying to achieve in life and the best way to navigate that? Businesses or entities where the head of the, the organisation has started at the bottom and worked their way up, that that mm. romantic idea of the GM that started in mm-hmm. the mailroom and did every job along the way. It's kind of what we're talking about. We, we live in a society now where things are much more specialised and you're more likely to have somebody leave a university course with a certificate 
and take over a high-level job in a health system without ever having seen a patient. That's not their fault, but that that can't contribute positively, you wouldn't think, into this holistic approach, particularly something like health where you're talking about people, Fran. Exactly. And sorry, and I was talking to Jane's daughter, who's called Kate, and Kate's also a registered nurse, but she decided that she would take another route and, and went to do an MBA. So, you know, when you look at someone who's got that skill set of, I know what to do at the coalface, but I also understand yeah. business. And that's a rare beast, I would say, in, mm-hmm. you know, in this kind of industry. And um, a lot of people might never have clapped eyes on a patient, but might be in a governance role in a, in a large um, health facility. Yeah, exactly. Jane? I really enjoy taking uh, employing staff from other industries because I think there's a lot of other industries that uh, have a, have some really good systems and processes uh, that we can duplicate or we can just tweak it a little bit to fit our business and work in health. And so I've done quite a lot of that. We've got people that work within the um, office setting who are from different industries and the input that they can have and the changes that they can see um, has a huge bearing on uh, on how, on our success. I think that that um, this kind of cross-pollination is really key to success. And when I came to work at Convertech, a lot of people raised eyebrows because I'd worked as a clinician for 20 years and an academic for seven years. But I guess I looked at the way that we do education and I took a lot of things from my university setting, which I understand that adults learn by building on knowledge that they already have rather than just being told stuff. And we've put that into practice at Convertech. And I think that that has been quite key to differentiating our education from other people's. And I think that it is really important to not just look, you know, with with a tunnel vision. Jane? It would have been much easier for you personally, I'm sure, not to have started this business and done all of this work. It would have been much easier just to continue doing whatever it was you were doing before you started. Why didn't you? Why would you go into that? What, what, what was the thing? Um, I could see that I could make a difference. And for me, that's really important. So I wanted to actually test the system and just uh, take some time to prepare for a really sound base and a foundation. So that's why I took the four to five years sitting on the kitchen table uh, and going out and seeing the first few patients myself. And then also, I think the opportunity to be able to change the uh, perception of nursing in different areas. So I'm an avid uh, advocate for nurses. And as an example, we're taking on 600 uh, registered nurse students over the next uh, semester, and it'll be 1,800 over the next 18 months, to actually give them some exposure to community nursing, disability and aged care nursing, so that it can change their perspective of what a nurse can actually do. So we don't all have to go and work in a hospital. We can actually do community or we can go and work in aged care and things like that. So I'm really excited about being able to change probably a bit more of the bigger picture than the smaller picture with different projects like this. So I'm always on the lookout for opportunities to expose nurses to more and more uh, ways of doing work and providing patient satisfaction. And I think that's really, really important to change an industry is to give people more exposure to, to you know, what job opportunities are yeah. available to them. So, for example, last week I was in an aged care facility where they'd had two occupational therapy students and they'd been sent there on a placement and they were doing a little presentation on it and they asked me to sit in. And... Um, 
I, I asked them personally what they, they got from the placement afterwards. And one of them said, oh, I really didn't want to come here because I didn't want to work with old people. I wanted to work with kids and I thought it was a waste of time. But she'd obviously had like this light bulb moment. And now she was really sold on aged care, which is, you know, not the most glamorous aspect mm. that you can do as, as an occupational therapist. So I think we can give these people these experiences and show them that, you know, there are great advantages to working in the community. Yeah, indeed. Jane, I was, I was sure you were going to say you did it for the money. And part of me is a little oh. bit disappointed that you didn't. <laughs> if only, if only. <laughs> I have to say, when we first started the business, we did uh, put our house on the line. Wow. And uh, we've now transformed it into, from 2018, uh, it's become a family business. So I got it going from 2012 through to 2018. And then we slowly um, brought... Uh, the rest of my family in. So my husband is the financial director and he came from a construction background. He's a surveyor by trade. And then my son came in and he was a detective for 14 years with the police force, but he's come in and he's uh, brought all his logistic and communication skills with him. And then Kate, who is our strategic partnerships manager, who manages our contracts, um, she's come in and she is a registered nurse and uh, with her MBA. So, And we've also got other family members who work with us. Uh, we've got an IT uh, person. So, yeah, it all fits in. And if I can spot someone who's got a skill that I feel would benefit the, build, the business, then I'll work really hard to create a position for them. That's just quite extraordinary, isn't it? So you've kind of answered in some ways my next question, which was going to be, when somebody like yourself takes the ball by the horns and starts something like this, succession planning can be really difficult because nobody is going to bring all the skills that you bring to manage this, what's essentially your business that you've built. But it sounds like the family's been lined up and there's no problem with the succession planning, Jane. Well, it is. No, I think it's I think we've got it in place quite well. It is challenging, I think. Um, but, yeah, I think we've got it working reasonably well. Mm. It does take a, a fair bit of time to be able to understand, especially coming from another industry, mm. to actually understand all aspects of what we do. Um, and I try really hard to make sure that this business is not centred just around what I do. It needs to be all encompassing for everyone to have their own uh, input and to create their own role and put their own stamp on the business. What a legacy you're making. What's the future hold for Pop-Up Health, Jane? I think Pop-Up Health is going to continue to be innovative and extremely responsive to any solutions that we see. And we're always trying to create new solutions and present them to government or other organisations that might be struggling with something. Um, I think uh, we will just continue to grow um, and, and I think for this time next year, it's actually an unknown feast as to where we will be. But I see that we're growing um, as we go on with each day. And as it is today, I'm uh, putting a bit of a test. So we've got a newly designed uh, fit out for our building and we only moved in in November last year and I'm spending the day in a wheelchair to see that it is actually uh, dis disability friendly. And is it? And, uh, uh, it is has been so far, although I have found one challenge, <laughs> which is that you can't buy a coffee and coffee. then 
go in a wheelchair because you end up going around in circles. So that is something that, uh, yeah, we'll have to think about. Well, I, I hope you don't get any burns from your coffee. At least you've got a few people who can look after them if you do. That's exactly right. Exactly. It seems so simple, doesn't it? Where would you put your coffee in a wheelchair? But if, you didn't, exactly. if you never got like a wheelchair, those. why would you ever think about it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I like those challenges. Yeah. So, so Jane, we don't really know who our audience are for this podcast, but I have a feeling that a lot of them are community nurses who probably do wounds for part or most of their job. And, you know, it can be quite um, a lonely existence, I would imagine, going around by yourself and you might see something and not be sure what to do. And I know that you guys have got this, you know, great infrastructure in place where people can kind of phone a friend, if you like. But can you just give our listeners um, maybe an example of a story where you've uh, helped somebody in the community, where you've had a good outcome? Love an example. Good call, friend. Good Perfect. So we uh, we had a patient who had been with another provider for a couple of months and she was a young female, I think about 24, 25, and had had a spider bite and it just wasn't healing. So uh, she was transferred into our care and we continued on with the same care and the same products for about oh, three weeks. And then uh, our wound care specialist went out and uh, did a review and changed the wound care products um, to the correct products clearly and within three weeks the wound was healed the young lady was back at work and uh, that was a fantastic outcome and I think for our nurses going out there they could actually we could see the photographic evidence but also all of our notes are electronic so everyone can see the progress of the patients and the wounds and I think that was hugely beneficial for us as an organisation to be able to just have that satisfaction but also for the patient to be able to see the progress and for her to get back to her usual lifestyle of going to work every day and not having to be interrupted for wound care or stay home for her nine o'clock visit in the morning to have her wound care attended. So uh, I think that was hugely beneficial. Just to know that somebody's actually interested, Fran. Absolutely. And I mean, we've talked about this before, but the intangible costs associated with wounds are huge. If you've got somebody who's 25, who's uh, working 10 hours a week less because they're waiting for someone to come and do a wound dressing, it's really not a good economic outcome for anybody. So I think that, yeah, having this system where it's not just keep doing the same thing and hope that something gets better. Having this kind of review system in place is really key to being able to manage these complex wounds. And I think another thing that's also very key is is education, isn't it? And I know that having somebody who's a wound expert within your organisation is probably going to build this skill set. And um, because th- there is a, a very large vein of wounds in what you do, even though there's a lot of other nurse- nursing tasks as well. And it's real world stuff. It's not out of a book, is it? It's not a textbook. You know? it's, a, it's real world and you can't buy Well, I that. did get told off once for saying it's arts and crafts, but a lot of the time <laughs> it is because there isn't a yeah. textbook. No. You know, a 24-year-old with a spider bite I can't imagine there's many resources you no, can go to. There no, isn't. No one's written a guideline on spider no. bites for 24-year-olds. So you have no. to take bits of knowledge that you have from everywhere else yes. and stitch them together. Then you come up with a plan and then you need to review the plan. And I think, you know, that's um, that there's kind of two extremes. One is when people just keep doing the same thing and hope to get a different outcome. And... 
if a wound's stagnating, that's obviously not working. And the other end of the spectrum is where every time a different person gets their mitts on a wound, they change things. And we have this immense variability that usually ends up costing a lot of money and not getting good outcomes either. So I think finding this middle ground is really important. And I think that that's something that they appear to be doing very well. And and Jane was saying they embrace technology. And I know they're, they're um, trialing various wound technology apps and things like that. And, you know, this is the way of the future and both of you and I are quite nuts <laughs> well, about the future aren't well, we? Well uh, uh, Jane there's a yes or no answer to the question I'm about to ask and your answer might just earn you another appearance on the podcast to talk about it because it's its own rabbit hole. Could you do what you do without technology? No. There we go you're coming back. <laughs> that that's a whole other. I story. love technology. Yeah. I am always looking at technology. We've got a great um, ICT team here, and they are always out there looking for different ideas um, and different technology that we can utilise. And we actually recently we've just done a patient story uh, where we go out and video the patient because we want to know about what they did before they became uh, a patient of ours and things like that. And so we did this patient story about an older lady and she uh, had a wound and uh, we actually went in there and used some technology that we were trialling. And in the patient story, her husband actually sits there and says, without this new technology, we would not have been able to get to this point where we can actually now go out and see our relatives and also to see the progress of the wound so they could actually see the depth was getting less and less and that changed their entire attitude to each day whenever they were looking forward to the nurse coming and showing them the, the weekly progress from the technology. And that for me was just the, that's the icing on the cake. Absolutely. Because I mean, when you think about it, this technology is in place to kind of help the people who are looking after the wound. But I have had personal experience where you found that this has actually got this other benefit to the patient. And when I was a researcher, I used to do ultrasounding of wounds. It was an experimental thing. And to most people, an ultrasound is it's like a, you know, a bag of grey potatoes. But mm. when you would actually say to the, the patient, look, this is your wound and, and this is a bone and it's quite close to the base of the wound to the bone. And if that connects with that, you're in a lot of trouble. Suddenly the compliance seemed to go through the <laughs> roof because they could actually see, you know, what was happening. And so these little grey images suddenly became very powerful. And I think, you know, this kind of thing has... The, this return on investment that is not really the reason that you you started with it, but it certainly works. That excites me. It's been a generational shift that hasn't it, Jane? Gone are the days where the doctor said and the patient did. It's a much freer exchange of information both ways for the betterment of everybody, it seems to me, from the outside within medicine. Absolutely. I'm sure you've seen that change. And that's what excites me about this is that there's so much out there um, or so much that can be developed to actually apply to this area of uh, particularly wound healing. I think there's so much out there, but it also impacts the patient's attitude Mm -hmm. when they can see the progress. And I think that for me, that when I saw the patient's story, it actually gave me so much patient, so much satisfaction that we're doing the right thing and we're supporting the patient to reach that ultimate goal. Absolutely. And I think that this patient-centric approach is really needed. This personalised care, which I bang on all, all the time about, I know. but Rightly so, though. Um, yeah. And I think my big thing in life is telling stories. And I think if you mm. can tell patient stories, it really inspires confidence in your service. So I think that's a really important thing to do. Yeah, fantastic. What have we not asked Jane about that we need to? Apart from all the things we haven't asked her about that we need to, those aside, what have we not asked Jane oh, about? Oh, look, there's so much I want to ask about the um, 
about the lighthouse, the lighthouse but we haven't really got time for that. <laughs> I did want to share the story about when I tried to run away from home, but that's a bit long and uh, <laughs> ended about as well as yours, Jane. Um, so, but yeah, we could keep Jane here all day, but I think she's a busy she? lady and she's in a wheelchair, so it's going to take her a little bit harder. A, a and she hasn't bit. had a coffee. Yeah, she hasn't <laughs> had a coffee. Exactly. She's not getting around as quickly. So I think we probably need to let her go. Indeed. Jane, it has been fabulous and somewhat inspirational to meet you. I say this every time on this podcast, but we do a, we do the entire industry a disservice by calling people nurses and not recognising the contribution they make to all of us and the health system. And you fit very comfortably in that category. Thanks for taking some time to chat today. Thank you. Dr. Fran, always fantastic to have you on board, and we really appreciate your presence again today. Thanks, Rod. And that's it for this episode. We'll be back to do it all again next time here on The Wound Doctors. 